Alexa, is football coming home? Oh my giddy aunt. After 55 years of hurt, football really might be coming home at last. It's so close I can smell it. And it smells amazing. England, England, England. England, England, England. England, England, England. England, England. Okay, so here's what we do know. We know that on the 19th of July, we are going to go into the final phase or the final bit of unlocking, pretty much the final bit of unlocking. Uh, there's going to be very few regulations left in place. We know that masks are going to go. We know that social uh, distancing is going to go. We know there's going to be pretty much 100% freedom on um, events, or be it inside or outside. So it's a great boost for the, um, the live um, music market and the live event market uh, and it should theoretically kickstart everything that's kind of been shut for for quite a while um, and it's kind of what we expected to be honest it's what we've expected since um, there was a change of health secretary uh, it was pretty much the message that was being sent out um, by Sajid Javid uh, from the word go was we need to get the economy back on track and it sounded very much like a chancellor who'd been made Health Secretary, um, from as early as last week, really. Um, and that's that's all fine. And I think, you know, very much the line coming out is we need to learn to live with COVID. And certainly there's no doubt that's something that we know at some point is, is, is going to happen. Um, I guess the bit that I'm... Uh, well, there's a few bits I'm concerned about. There's a few bits I'm concerned about. Let's Let's start with the fact that even as the message was being delivered, um, what was the body language and what was being said by the scientists seems to be at odds with the slight triumphalism of the way the message was being put across by the prime minister. We know there's a political element to this. We know that if he didn't do this now, he was facing some issues with regard to his backbenchers. We're now at a point where they could have given him a bloody nose on a piece of legislation, even if it wasn't to do with this, or they could have forced him to actually change this. He'd lost the numbers on this particular thing. Now, whether that is the Tory backbenchers reflecting the country, or whether that's just a political thing, I'm not sure. I've got a sneaking suspicion it's a political thing rather than the, the, the country necessarily going with him on that one. So, there was there was an element of it being thrown out as this great, you know, we've beaten COVID. But of course, the problem with that is that we haven't beaten COVID. We know cases are rising. Yes, we know that we've broken to a certain extent. We've broken the link between um, uh, infection and um, hospitalisation and mortality. We think. We're not 100% sure, but we think. But certainly it doesn't seem to be that they're in tangent as they as they were. Um, but somehow the way it was being spun seems slightly out of kilter with maybe what the population is thinking. Because the fact is, it is, you know, it's, it's paradoxical that we are looking at a case rate, an infection rate similar to January, which was a crisis point 
if we think back uh, on where we were. And yet we're talking about unlocking to a greater extent than we've probably ever done. Um, during the last 18 months. So that's the bit that kind of, I, I suppose I'm struggling with, um, I'm struggling with a little bit. I think the other thing is, um, and I've just seen the um, the newspapers, the first editions of the newspapers for tomorrow morning. And the other thing I'm struggling with here is, you know, is the way that this message seems to have been pushed out as part of the culture war. It seems to have been pushed out as a, um, you know, as as a. Well, I'll give you an example because I've just seen the the the, the mail headline. So the mail headline for tomorrow, um, it's now or never. Uh, freedom as at last as PM declares, it's now or never. Um, but it's the second bit. Boris defies gloomy scientists and Starmer, as if safety is somehow gloomy. That's that's taken something and it's instantly made it a culture war issue because it's almost like saying it's almost the analogy is almost there with Brexit. If you don't think we should open up, open up, then you are one of those those doom laden, those naysayers, those whatever they are who thinks that, you know, you, you, the, you're just holding the country back. You're you're not nationalistic enough or you you don't think Britain's great enough or this something like that. and of course that doesn't work with a virus that just does not work with something like this you know the one thing we do know is that is that this is now flying through the um the 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 the, the young and the younger uh, population of the country and we also do know um that they can still get ill so i'm not suggesting that maybe we didn't need to move it on today Maybe we should have moved it on a, a stage, but maybe we should have delivered it in a different way. But it felt like a moment where everybody, you know, where where every Tory politician just ripped their masks off. And I just wonder, you know, whether that it almost felt like the bit that where Trump stood at the White House and did it and ripped the mask off in this kind of this huge, you know, meaningful gesture. And yet I just look at gestures like that and think the problem there is that could be the death of somebody. Tuesday. I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Obviously, we talked yesterday uh, a lot about um, uh, the unlocking and what that that might mean. Uh, And I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is, what's the number? What's the number that we don't actually want to talk about? Um, the health secretary today said that we need to prepare ourselves for daily case rates in six figures, in the hundreds of thousands. I mean, that doesn't mean that's going to get to two or three hundred thousand, but we're talking a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand. Um, and if that's going to happen, and, and, and I can only assume that means that's going to happen because as we stop social distancing and we st- uh, stop wearing face masks and all of those kind of things and we do bigger events, then it's going to fly through the population far quicker. Um, then we need to say to ourselves, what what is the number of people um, that we're prepared to allow to die uh, through COVID? And I don't mean that that's not a political point. I'm, I'm not I'm trying not to be morbid or I'm trying not to be sensationalistic about that uh, particular statement. Take the example of flu. We, we know 
um, that probably between 15 and 20,000 people a year, depending on the year, um, succumb to flu. And we, we've accepted that. We don't, we don't, it doesn't, you know, we've accepted it. We live with, with flu. We have the flu jab. We live with the, the circumstances and that's a number we've been prepared to accept. The point I'm trying to get to is what's that number for COVID? Is it 50,000? Is it 75,000? What, what is it? Um, and I think, you know, at some point we have to have that conversation because it's a, it's a, cost-benefit analysis conversation, i.e. what level of infringement on our personal behaviour. Right, let's look at a different way. What didn't happen yesterday was we we missed the opportunity to have a conversation about... um, things that we behavioral shifts that we've had and whether that was something that it become relatively habitual and maybe we should embody them as pieces of behavior that actually were championed so we know that for argument's sake if you look at the SARS outbreak in uh, in in parts of South Asia that um that the um mask wearing became something that people voluntarily chose to do because it didn't really in, impact on them too much and it just seemed like a good thing to do both for yourself and both for the community. So we missed an opportunity or we've, we see we appear to be missing an opportunity to have a wider debate about, do you know what, we've been wearing masks, it's not been that big a deal, would it be, a, what, you know, why don't we continue wearing masks for public transport and for, for shops and why don't we just make it good behaviour? Why don't we just make it that that's something that, you know, it's a social conscience thing. And if that's the case, maybe that number of deaths from COVID m- might come down a little bit. And and I don't know, it, it's, it's the, the, we, the, we could have had a grown up conversation. I mean, um, there's, there's, there's been information out today that suggests that 71% of people think that mask wearing on public transport is a good idea to, and should continue. And that 66% think it's, it's something that should continue in shops. So the public's on side. If ever there was a conversation where you could, where even the culture warrior should realise that this might be one where you could stand up and be statesmanlike and say, do you know what? We've found our way here by accident, but let's have a conversation about really how tough is it to wear a mask? Why, 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 are we, why do we want to politicise the mask? Why do we want to make, see everything through the prism of some form of culture war? Now, I could argue this because that's just the way they win. That's just, you know, if we're not at each other's throats, if we can't divide, then the Tories have got a problem. And of course, they they don't govern, they campaign, and that's what they continually do. And they can't stop campaigning, and that's kind of where we are where we are. But what what that would have been a great moment. It would have been a really great moment if we could have maybe said, you know what, Let, let's just have let's have a grown-up conversation about what we're gonna do next. Because some of these things that we've not wanted would, would be really great things to just keep spinning. <laughs> And we can all breathe out. Um, we're there. Uh, we've 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 got there. We've got to um, we've got to a final of a major tournament. The first time it's happened in my uh, lifetime. Um, we we kind of made hard work of it. We weren't the better team for for, for periods of the game. Certainly, I thought up. Uh, you know, at first ten minutes we started brightly, but I think uh, I think. Um, the Danes came into the game. I think they deserve to go ahead. Um, I think we, you know, we didn't look right. 
Um, I thought our passing at the beginning was over exuberant and sloppy. Um, I thought we came into the game. I thought, uh, you know, I mean, that, that phrase you hear a lot in football, we earned the right um, to get an equaliser. And I think after that, um, probably there was only one team that was going to win it in normal time. Um, I don't think it was a penalty, but I think we had a, a much better shout turned down earlier on. Uh, and when it came to it, it was a shocking penalty, but it was great awareness to follow up. But I think at the end of the day, I think teams that win tournaments have games like that. Teams that win tournaments have games like we had against Germany. And I think in that respect, I think it's it's looking it's looking really good. And I think it it's great because as a team, this team is pretty special. And this team is, you know, is is more um representative of of what I think a national team should be in terms of their behaviour um, and in, and in, in everything than perhaps we've had for a long time. So I think in that respect, if if this team is to win, then um, then they've won both on and off the pitch, which which will be um, you know which will be fantastic. What I did take from everything, uh, and there was so much to take from everything, um, was. Um, I'm not a big fan of ITV coverage of, of football. I don't think the commentary is as good as the BBC, and I think for, I think the analysis is questionable. Um, but um, um, Gary Neville said something which, at the end, which almost rescued the entire ITV coverage in, in one fail swoop. And I think it's something that probably is the thing I've taken from tonight. Um, Gareth Southgate was was walking um, to, towards the, the the crowd, towards the England end uh, of the crowd, and, um, and 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 Neville said the standard of leaders in this country over the last couple of years has been poor. But looking at that man there, that's everything a leader should be: respectful, humble, tells the truth, genuine. He's fantastic, Gareth Southgate. Southgate, he really is unbelievable and has done a great job, and that as a genuine sentiment made me made me absolutely stop in my tracks what an incredible thing to be able to say about an england football manager um and what a, what a difference between that and i guess what we saw on monday night I'd finished a run this morning and I was walking the last little bit back to the house. And depending on where I, I turn and depending on the distance that I decide I'm going to run, sometimes I might, I might you know, walk a, a couple hundred yards uh, at the end and just sort of get my breath back and uh, do a few stretches and what have you. Um, though I'm not as good at doing stretches as I, I possibly should be. Um, and I got to thinking about flags um, and I got to thinking about flags in the context of the game last night, but I got I'm 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 struggling with the whole flag debate. I'm I'm struggling with the whole politicisation of the flag, and I'm struggling with my thoughts when I see um, either an England flag or a Union flag, um, because I I I'm appalled by it used in you know when it's used in a, a, a nationalistic sense, then it. It, it worries me and it and it worries me when people judge you because of how you you view a flag um now the, i've got no problem with the flag per se but i think the point for me is that 
it's you can't look at what a flag represents in isolation. What you have to do is you have for me you have to respect or you have to think about the situation in which you're you know you, you you're thinking or you're looking at it. So I'll give you an example. So if we take the football last night, um, and I know often we talk about the three lines rather than the, than the flag, but when the flag goes in front of that group of players, then you can't help but be proud of it because what they're standing up for and their vision that they're they're standing up for is something that makes perfect sense to me and seems to be the the things I think of when I think about being proud to be English or British. Um and so in that respect that's that's fine. So there's plenty of examples where where there will be a flag and you will look and you'll go well that's great that kind of that kind of tolerance or that kind of sense of fair play or that kind of uh, inclusivity or openness those are the things that i think is what it, it it means to both be human but also to be english or to be british so in that respect i'm i think it's i think it's fine but there's there's been lots of times in history where things have been done where the flag has gone before behavior that i really don't agree with and where the flag has been something that has caused a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and we've done things in the name of a country and the name of our country that that haven't been particularly you know great moments in our country's history so in that respect the 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 flag constantly to me needs refreshing and you can't what you can't do is just take it as something and take everything that's done in its name carte blanche without questioning it so you know there's lots of things that have gone on that we shouldn't be proud of where that that flag has has, has gone before it and you know whether it's partitioning ireland whether it's partition in in, in india whatever it is there's lots of examples of, of, you know, I mean, deportation's not our finest hour, but that was done in the name of that flag. So it's a really complicated issue that's, that's kind of been reduced down. And I know I've, I'm, I seem to be banging on about culture all this week, but it seems to be brought down to those levels again, that everything it's either a, it's a binary choice all the time. Everything seems to be a zero-sum game, and yet that that's that's not what we should be talking about there are plenty of times when i'm very proud of of where i come from i'm very proud of of those values and therefore very proud of what something like the flag would represent but equally there's a hell of a lot of times when i'm not friday been a fairly heavy week this week so I'm going to finish with something lighter and apologies that I've got a bit ranty again. Uh, I don't know if it's a week one thing now that I start to be ranty in week one or not, but um, I'm going to finish with, well, first off, I hope you like the intro. Um, I'd seen a little thing on Facebook about Alexa and I just thought that as a moment was great. I don't know who did it. I don't know who, who controls those things has, had made that decision, but that's a, that's a, that's a very good call, whoever made that decision with Alexa, and what a, what a nice 20, 30 seconds little moment. Um, I'm going to have to say staged two, because I'm watching, I, I started watching the second 
um, series of staged and dropped off and I've now picked it back up and it just is absolute genius as the first series was so if you haven't watched any of staged you must do but my, but David Tennant and Michael Sheen are phenomenal and the second series is equally as good if not better than the first so if you want a bit of something stage you really must do but the thing the big thing I was going to talk about today was um got a new bike got a new bike for Josh and um there's a there's a project called Street Bikes um, which is um, in Huddersfield, a place called Millsbridge. And what they do is they um, they take bikes, they collect bikes from, um, you know, from recycling centres, from tips, or they get donations of bikes, and they rework bikes. And what they do with these bikes is they go to numerous different places. So they, they rework bikes and they give bikes away. So um, for people who, um, families that aren't in a position where they can afford to give, you know, uh, take, take, you know, buy bikes then they get they put they rework and put bikes back into the into the community they also rework bikes and send bikes to other communities abroad um but also they rework bikes and you can go and buy them so um they have uh, a few price points very affordable price points and you you can go and you will you will get a bike that's been there's a whole team of volunteers they've got a great um set up down there where um these guys will will uh, will work these technicians will work on bikes and they they you know put all new parts on they service them and then you can go and you can pick up a a bike and um Josh needed a new bike and we I'd had a conversation with him having met um so the lady who runs it is a lady called Claire Taylor and Claire I met I was fortunate enough to meet Claire because I engineered a podcast she was on and um she's played cricket for both she played cricket for England, but she's played football for England as well. And she was the first first woman to do that. And she's an incredible person. And we did a great podcast with her. I'll put a link for this podcast on the show notes. And she's absolutely lovely and just a real fantastic person. But she runs this this project. And, um, and, and we started talking to Josh about two things. One was about sustainability. So about instead of us going out and getting a new, sourcing a new bike from him, uh, not that that would have been easy because you can't get a bike full of the money, but instead of sourcing a new bike for him, that we'd get a, we'd get a, um, you know, um, a, a, a re- effectively recycled bike. We'd get a, we'd get a used bike. So from a perspective of the planet, it was great, but also for the perspective of, his, of giving back to the community. And we've, uh, we've been and we've bought a bike from there. He's ended up getting a bike that was, you know, um, would have sort of five, six hundred quids worth of bike, which hasn't co- cost anything like that amount of money. And it's just a lovely story. Everything about it is just great. It's just great in terms of the planet. It's great in terms of the community. And it's also a great conversation to be able to have with a 14-year-old um, because this is going to dominate their, their lives. And, you know, it's it was a I think it was a you know a, a a a big decision for him to make to say well as much as all my mates might have got new bikes I I I there's something bigger than this and maybe it makes sense to embrace this a bit more and do you know what tell people why I'm doing this because it's a good conversation to have so really great to see Claire again fantastic operation I'll put some links on the the notes to how it all works and I say link to this 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 podcast which covers the topic really nicely um and it's just it's just been a lovely nice end to the to the week um please stay safe um though if we end up at 100 plus thousand cases a day that might be harder but please stay safe and i will speak to you all um next week (laughs) 
subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.